Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Yeehaw, all you cowpokes out there. I'm Billy Goat, and I'm a country punk. I'm just kidding. This is Tony Richards, host of Better Than Before. This is the CEO Leaders Podcast Show, and we have one clear objective to provide tools, information, and some entertainment from time to time to make you, the listener, better than before in business and in life. You can subscribe to our show on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, C-Suite Radio Network, and more. Just search for Better Than Before with Tony Richards. And I want to thank you for subscribing to our podcast. You know we drop a new episode every single Tuesday right in your old podcast playing machine so you can uh, check us out. So on the show today, I'm going to talk about uh, one specific way that I could help you grow your company. I'm going to talk about um, three possible reasons why you are stuck like a bug in a rug. And uh, Bill has some brand new listener questions that he's going to feed to me here on the podcast, and I'm going to do my very best to answer them. So that's our show today. Awesome. I'm still reeling from the uh, country pop. <laughs> Billy Goat. Oh, Billy Goat. Yeah, I'm Billy Goat, and I'm a country punk. <laughs> Yeehaw. Oh, man, that's from way back in the late 70s there. I'm not familiar with it. Well, that's, that is not surprising to me. I don't even think if you Google Billy Goat, the country punk, I don't think you'll even come up with anything. That's that's how obscure it is. Yeah, it won't even show up in your Google machine. So Sounds like a challenge. Well, let me just try it here while, while we're sitting here. I, I don't think I don't think anything's going to come up, but <clears throat> there is a Billy Goat band, but that's not who I was talking about. Uh, three country punk classics you must own. Uh, drive-by truckers, old 97s, and bad livers. No, those are all those are all way after where I got Billy Goat the country punk. So, <laughs> so it won't even show up on your old Google machine. Wow, that is obscure. Yeah. There's a Billy Goat band that uh, is in 1989. That's way after where I'm talking about, too. Uh-huh. So. Yep, I don't think uh, I don't think Billy Goat and the country punk is going to show up. So <laughs> I have something even even Google doesn't have. So going to be a good show. How are you? Uh, how are you doing with the new spring weather? Loving it, even though we've only had really one day of it. Yeah, well, but I'll take it. April showers bring May flowers. Yep. So you got something to look forward to. Yes. Are you a gardener? Do you do a lot of? No, I don't. Springtime. You're an inside worker. Yeah, I, I really don't have time to do outside, and, and eventually I would like to. How about you? No. <laughs> no. No. Nope. I got the non-greenest thumb 
I mean, even the plants on the inside are fake. We just don't <laughs> do that much. But uh, we we try to employ people who can do a good job, and then we can drive around like we did it. Ah, so good plan. Neighbors do not like it in general, I think. Not just my neighbors. Any neighbors do not like it if you don't uh, keep your mm-hmm. lawn looking good. So Yeah, well, I, I at least mow my lawn. So, no, I don't even mow my own lawn. <laughs> so, um, what do we got coming up? We got the self-esteem workshop coming up Tuesday, May 28th. And uh, this is a one-day interactive experience. We'd like for you to come and, and uh, build your self-esteem Everybody needs some self-esteem help from time to time because we all take hits in life. We all uh, make mistakes. We all have plateaus and challenges and things that happen. And we need a little shot in the arm from time to time and understand that we're unique individuals and uh, we have gifts and talents. And if anybody deserves success, it's us. And you need to hear that kind of stuff until you start thinking it yourself. And a good place to do that is in the self-esteem workshop. You can register online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. We're going to take somewhere between five and 10. We probably would take a minimum of five that day in the class and no more than 10. So you want to get in and register now. And if you need a business advisor or a coach, I'd love to talk about working with you. And one of the issues I can help you with is when your growth is stalled. And uh, we've managed to identify somewhere around 40 different issues that are very common when your business growth just stops and plateaus are going to happen. How to get off the plateau without crashing and burning? That's the question. And, you know, there are times to push and there are times to pull. And there's an old saying, settlers get rich, but pioneers get slaughtered. So there is a finesse to getting out of the growth traps. And one of the things you can work on is your mindset, you know, how you set your mind to be in continuous growth mode. And if you're interested in more about that, you can go back in our archives and better than before show number 123, we had Anna Malikin on and she talks about mindsets and how they're formed and how you can challenge them, how you can develop them and how you can change them. So I would very highly recommend that as a resource. Go back to episode 123 and check out Anna Malikin on the mindsets of growth couple other things on growth being stalled and 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 hung up I would tell you one of the big challenges out of the 35 or 40 we've identified as I said before is trust issues when people stop trusting leadership when people stop trusting management when people stop trusting the business when people stop trusting the system when people stop trusting each other uh, many times uh, I will have a coffee or a lunch uh, with a potential uh, CEO who uh, is interested in enlisting my help. And uh, one of the questions I will ask them is, what do you think your biggest issue is that you're dealing with right now? And most of the time, their answer will be communication. And uh, communication is never the actual problem. It's just a symptom of the real problem. And the real problem many times is trust. And there is either broken trust 
damaged trust or trust that has not been established firmly, not fully developed. But when trust is not there, you have a company that runs in a very slow and lethargic way because uh, trust and speed are corollaries. They work together. The more trust you have, the faster you can make things go. And it stops down growth and hinders your cash flow anytime you go slower rather than faster. So when the cycles of your business begin to run slower, a lot of times you can directly link it to the lack of trust that's involved. And as your CEO coach and advisor, I have uh, several remedies for the trust issue, and I'd love to talk with you about it. Feel free to contact me at Clear Vision Development Group, 573-442-9673. Follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 or you can email me, info, info at clearvisiondevelopment.com. And so we're off and running. We've got listener questions. Uh, Producer Bill has those loaded and ready and is going to fire those at me here in just a second. Stand by for that. Better than before. Sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running. The Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Do you apologize for your behavior? Are you constantly worrying about what others think about you or frequently criticize yourself? Self-esteem affects everything we do and is one of the key indicators of success in business. Tony's new self-esteem workshop will help you develop the tools necessary to empower you to overcome the pressure and unfamiliarity of professional and personal circumstances. Through Tony's guidance, you'll learn how to perceive threats and vulnerabilities to better prepare for challenging situations, resolve the baggage that keeps you back, and improve self-esteem when you need it most. Join us on May 28th for this one-day self-esteem workshop. Space is limited. Don't let low self-esteem hold you back from living the life you'd like to live. Register online now at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and we're to that part of the show. At least once a quarter, we like to do listener questions and answers. And so if you've got a question you'd like answered on the show, you can send it to us. Our email address is info, I-N-F-O, at clearvisiondevelopment.com. And uh, the questions have been provided to producer Bill, and he's going to fire them at me. And uh, we got a few pretty good ones today, I understand. So we'll try to, I'll try to do the best I can here as you shoot these at me. I'm going to, I'm going to get my uh, badminton racket out and, and bat them back to you. Awesome. Well, the first one's short and sweet. What makes a team player? Whoa, let's see. Um, 
gosh, there could be a thousand answers to that. I'll, I'll try to answer. Um, I'll, I'll try to. Here, here's the number one thing that I look for uh, when I'm advising uh, somebody or I'm helping a, an executive put a team together is unselfishness. I think selfishness can absolutely kill a team. So when you have somebody that primarily only thinks about themselves, um, you have a problem. So what happens when somebody is extremely selfish is that they forget all the help they've been given. They forget all the experience they've been, uh, had the opportunity to gain. Uh, they forget all about the training and development that you've invested in them. They forget all about the opportunities that you've given to them. And they start thinking this all belongs to them. And they start thinking that the company is not, uh, the company has not been their source for opportunity. It's all been them. And a lot of times they will be looking for other jobs because, uh, they think they can do all of this even better somewhere else because after all, it's them, right? They will not work together with you as a team because they're not thinking about, on a real team, you you have to, there's give and take. Certainly you get to earn your particular piece of the pie, but you also are dependent upon others and others are dependent upon you to help even produce the pie. In a lot of ways on a real team, people are uh, accountable to each other and they're dependent upon each other to make a living. So the company only works well when everybody depends on each other to do their particular part. And if anybody doesn't do their part at, at, a, at an acceptable level or at a high level, everybody suffers then. And so um, I, I just think that's, that's one of the things. Um, I think, you know, you, you, you certainly have to have good competence. Uh, you have to be able to do your job well and all that. But the chemistry part of how you get along with everybody else on the team is crucial. And typically, if you go down to the root cause, you, you will find a healthy degree of being selfish uh, and maybe a um, lack mentality that I, I, I don't feel like there's enough for everybody and I'm not happy with my piece. I want more than everybody else. I want something that even maybe may, could even lead to, I want what belongs to somebody else, you know. Um, so you have to be extremely unselfish to really be a good team player. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, the second question is for, ties in a little bit with the first question. My partner and I have accumulated debt from trying to grow our business, and we have employees who really don't fit our beliefs and values. We have struggled to address all these issues of letting people go, debt management, and trying to keep good employees. How do we best handle all of this? Well, all this is a key word there, so that's quite a bit. So letting people go, debt management, and trying to keep good employees. Correct. So there's three issues in one question, which that's okay. I understand you're trying to get the most value you can. You're getting a value meal here. So let's start with probably 
there's all of these things are important. So I can't say let's start with the most important. So let's just start with the first one. We'll do the first one, second one, third one. So the first one is letting people go. I often ask my clients, when should you let somebody go? And they will struggle around and say Monday, Friday, first of the month, end of the month. The answer actually is the first time it ever occurs to you. So the first time you even think, maybe I should let this person go, you probably should let them go right then or pretty close after because everything after that is either fear or justification. So you're afraid of what will happen if you let them go. And then you begin to justify and say, well, it's a really busy time. I really can't afford. I mean, here's the thing. If employees are on your team and they're accepting money from you and they're not doing the job and they don't like working there, you're both cheating each other because they need to go find some place where they'll be happy. And then they need to uh, go someplace where they can get compensated for uh, what they're actually doing. And you need to, you deserve to have an environment that you've worked hard to create without people who are trying to tear it down. So you're both kind of cheating each other. And the first one that comes to their senses, they either quit or you let them go. You cannot allow people who don't want to be there to stay there. You have to be the protector of the company and the protector of the company environment. So if they don't want to be there, you have to step it up and go ahead and let those people go. Now, let's tie that in with the third one, trying to keep good employees. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch in the barrel. So if you let one of these people go or two of these people go, and they're tied in really tight with your good people, there is a chance that you could lose some of your good people. Because as crazy as it sounds, some people would actually sacrifice a job that they're doing good at and they're well compensated for and they enjoy for someone who does not enjoy being there and is not happy. They will infect other people and cause other people to... Uh, do the wrong thing because most of the time if they're not happy one of the reasons they're not happy is they have low self-esteem and they will use other people to prop up their self-esteem and they'll use other people to make them, themselves feel good about themselves and they will infect the good people because they'll use that as validation and say well see this is you know, Frank over here, he's doing a really good job and they really reward Frank and even he's not happy. Well, he's not happy because you got in his head and have convinced him that this is the right thing to do. And hopefully Frank has enough good sense not to do that, right? So if you're fair in your uh, compensation and you're fair in your praise and you're fair in your working conditions, Hey, you, you can keep the good people, right? But if, if you have good people that get talked into leaving by the bad people, then they weren't good people, right? They weren't good people. If, if a bad employee can convince the good employee that leaving is better than staying, 
then the people you thought were good actually aren't good. They're just as bad as the bad. So you don't try to keep good employees. You just keep good employees, right? There is no try. You just provide a good environment, provide fair compensation, and, uh, you know, be be a little uh, empathetic to their issues from time to time. Now, on the debt management, this is a little difficult to answer because I don't know how much debt you're talking. I don't know how much annual revenue you have. I don't know how long you've been in business. It sounds like you've been in business for a while. And uh, the key thing, I think, in the question was, we have accumulated debt from trying to grow. Yes, growth will suck cash. So if you're trying to scale your business, you're trying to grow it, you're going to need money because you have to buy more equipment, you have to pay people, you have to hire more people, and you're going to have to have some cash. So your cash flow had better be good. If you have a lot of debt, then I, I'm going to assume either your revenue is not as high as you assumed it would be by this point, or your cash flow is absolutely horrible. So you haven't been able to service your debt. So your debt is growing and accumulating. So debt management, first thing is don't, don't get any more right? Don't, don't keep doing what you're doing. If you've been growing your debt, but you haven't been growing your company, you haven't been growing your overall top line revenue, and you haven't been growing your cash flow, then don't keep going into debt. Cause you, you know, the first thing you do when you find yourself digging a hole, stop digging. Then you need to figure out what you can do to generate enough cash. And again, that might be getting more customers that might be uh, providing more service whatever you got to do to get your top line revenue up a little then you got to look at the middle part of your expense part of your company and figure out what can i do to increase my cash flow so you have a little bit more money at the end of every month that you can apply to your debt don't write yourself a check or take it home or succumb to buying something, you have to be extremely disciplined if you want to reduce your debt. So as much information as I have there, Bill, that's my best on that. Sounds good. If you don't want more information, send us another email with more details. I'd be glad to to help. So, Well, we have another listener that writes, I have been at this business for two years now, and I'm struggling with keeping my commitment to it. Any advice? Well, uh, there's no doubt about it. So you've been in business for two years and entrepreneurship sounds very exciting. And uh, I, if I've told this story before, uh, I apologize for telling it again, but it's, it's really classic. So I have had a lot of entrepreneurial clients where the CEO was the founder and um, they got into business and you ask them, why did you start your business? And it always boils down to one word, freedom. They didn't feel uh, free working at somebody else's company where they were an employee and they were looking for freedom. And the first thing they wanted was they wanted freedom of to they wanted to freedom to do what they wanted to do, right? They wanted freedom to be in a business that they could control and that they could, you know, put themselves into. And you talk to them and you ask them, are you free to do that? And they were like, no. 
Well, then the second reason was time. You know, I want, I want more time. I, I want freedom of time. I don't want to be stuck in a nine to five paradigm. I want to have the freedom to, to work, you know, when I want to and do what I want to. Well, do you have that freedom of time? No. What's the other one? Well, I want the freedom to uh, work with people I like. And I, I want to be able to go out and find some people to work in my business alongside me. Well, do you like your employees? No. <laughs> well, well, what's the f- fourth reason? Well, I want to work with customers that I enjoy working with and that I, that I enjoy serving and can, can use what I've got for them and help them solve their problems or issues, whatever it is with my product or service. Do you like your customers? No. So they don't have any of the things. Uh, the business has, uh, I call it the Frankenstein syndrome. They've created this thing and they can't control it. It controls them. It, they don't control it. it. It's running loose. You know, they can't, they can't get it reined in. And so that will beat you down sometimes. If you have any of that that I just mentioned, That'll beat you down. And the only thing that keeps you going is commitment. Now, if you're struggling with your commitment, I would say you're very close to probably going out of business. You're very close to just going back to your job or um, going back to whatever you were doing before. And the reason I say that is because in order to face the challenges in business from a day-to-day, moment-by-moment perspective, you need courage because if you don't have courage, your worst doubts and fears will own you. And if you, the only way to generate courage is from commitment. Think about it this way. Have you ever told somebody you would do something and then you started thinking about it later and you thought, man, I really wish I wouldn't have told them I would do that. And let's use um, speaking for an example. Somebody comes to you and says, we're having this event and we'd really like you to host it, be the host for the evening. So you say, oh, sure, I'll do that because it's six months from now, right? I'll say yes. And then about two or three months before that, you start thinking, oh, my gosh, I got that coming up and I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't, I'm not a very good joke teller and I, I struggle with talking in front of people. I, I never should have said yes to that, but you go ahead and do it and you get closer and closer. The event happens and you got a really bad feeling in your stomach and all that, but you go ahead and do it anyway. You know why? Because you have courage to go ahead and do it because you will not break your commitment. So if you're struggling with your commitment, that's going to set off a chain reaction with a bunch of other stuff you're going to need to be successful in business. So you're going to have to figure out a way. This is my advice. If you want to stay in business, because that's what they ask for, right? It's advice. I went through and described a bunch of other things I thought would be helpful. But my advice is you got to find a way to recommit. You've got to strengthen your commitment because everything else is going to come from that. Your courage, your desire to increase your competence, your character, all of that comes straight out of your commitment. The more committed you are, the more you'll be able to generate this other stuff. The less committed you are, you're not going to, it's not going to generate anything useful to you to be able to get through this tough time or any tough times that, that come up. Good advice.
The next question is, I have heard Warren Buffett say he only invests in businesses with a moat. I'm trying to figure out my moat and how to have one for my business. Can you give any words of wisdom on this? Yes, and it is true that Warren uh, does invest in businesses with a moat. I think uh, having a moat has declined in his investment criteria but yes he has said that for a long time so he looks at a business like apple or a business like coca-cola where they are so entrenched in what they do as a business that it's very difficult so if you go back to um middle uh, ages time uh, think of a castle and around the castle, you had a long trench uh, all the way around. A big ditch was full of water. And the way to get in the castle, somebody had to lower the drawbridge so you could cross the moat to get in. Otherwise, it was difficult to get across the moat and get up the castle wall and get in. Because while you were in the moat, they'd shoot an arrow in you, right, and kill you. So... Having a, a defense mechanism built into the business so that it's very difficult to attack that business from the outside by competitors is what Warren is talking about. And that can be through a number of factors such as how are you different? Like that's the most difficult one. How are you different from everybody else out there that's doing what you're trying to do? So for Coca-Cola... How are they different soft drink from all the other beverages, not just uh, colas, but beverages? So that takes in coffee and tea and Gatorade and grape juice. What makes Coca-Cola so much different than all those? What makes Coca-Cola different than Pepsi? And that is a part of what makes a moat. It's very difficult for them to be attacked by other soft drinks, other drinks, period. They are in somewhat of a protective area because they have that protective moat around them. So how to tell you how to do your moat is impossible without knowing your business, knowing your competitors, and knowing your market uh, and your market potential. But I have seen very few businesses where you couldn't have a moat, but it took a long time to figure it out, a lot of sweat, uh, and a lot of work to figure out exactly how to do that. And again, the first question is, how are you different and why do people care, right? People have to care that you're different. It has to differentiate, differentiate you in a way where people actually care. You can be differentiated and weird all day long and people don't care, right? So they have to care. And you have to move out of utility status where they just use your product or service and they're not even thinking about it. And if somebody else came along and you were gone one day and somebody else took your place and their service continued, they wouldn't even miss you. It would, they wouldn't even care. So when you move beyond that, you're starting to dig a moat. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, the next one is, I think is a good one. I'm thinking about starting a business. What is the best way to fund it? Well, a couple of ways. Best way to fund it is use your own money. That's, that's the best way. Um, I, I think the, this company that we have, Clear Vision Development Group, 
uh, Anne Marie and I had $5,000 and we got going on five. Uh, now we got clients pretty fast when we started. We had revenue coming in, not in the not too uh, short a time after we started. Mm-hmm. I think we started in November and we sent our first invoice out in December. Oh, that's great. Yeah, 16 years ago. So uh, we, and then, you know, you have a cycle then. There's, there's another 30 days after that before you get paid, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a 90-day period at least at the shortest amount of time from when you start to the time you get any money in. So you got to think about all that. And the money never comes in as fast as you think. So there is an art to budgeting and to planning and putting together a financial plan for your business. But the best way is your own money. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. The second way is to use other people's money. And I would put that into four categories, banks, friends, family, and fools. (laughs) Banks, friends, family, and fools. So banks are a good source for capital, although if you don't have a track record of success uh, and you're just going out here and starting something, the chances of you getting a lot of money is probably difficult, right? Uh, but, you know, if, depending on the amount you're asking for and depending on your track record of success and how much faith that they have in you and how good you can explain your plan to them, uh, they will, you know, lend you some money. More than happy to. But usually their clients are more established businesses. There are some banks that will do early loans, and they also have the SBA for that too. So you can get an SBA loan a lot of times to get your business started with a bank, small business administration. Mm -hmm. Friends. So you can go to friends for money, which I know you probably think, I, I hope you think that's a bad idea right off the bat, but, but it's a bad idea. However, in the in in the endeavor of trying to answer the question, I'm trying to give you all the answers. Doesn't mean they're good answers. And I don't think friends are good answers, but you can go to friends. Same thing with family. You can go to family, you can go to your folks, you can go to cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, whoever you think has the extra disposable income to loan you, you can go to them and they can do it. And then there's fools, right? I mean, there's just some fools out there that they want to be in the business that you're interested in. They probably have a business of their own. They may be in multiple businesses, but they've always wanted perhaps to be in the business that you're trying to start. So they can be convinced to loan you some money to get started. Now, the problem with banks, friends, family, and fools is They love their money more than you love your business. And they definitely love their money more than they love your business on their end. If you ask them which one do they love the most, your business or their money, I can tell you which one's going to win. Which is why it's better if you can come up with the capital yourself because nobody's going to love your business as much as you. So you need to be your own lender if possible. And perhaps down the road when your business gets off the ground, has some legs and you need to grow, don't borrow money to just keep going. 
borrow money to grow, right? Then you can go to bank and do that. Now, there are couple others. There's angel investors. So if you have an idea, there are angel investors around, probably good for $50,000 to $100,000 investment that you can go to. Uh, and if you have a high growth, high potential, one of a kind, uh, Facebook, Google kind of idea, which I can't imagine there are any of those, but you can go to venture capital, you know, and uh, here's my thought, though. If, if you do have that kind of idea, you need to have very good legal representation because you need to get your idea copyrighted. You need to get it trademarked. You need to lock it up uh, and get it protected. If it's that valuable that a venture capitalist will actually give you some money to grow it, which most of them are going to want some proof of concept. They're going to want some proof that it actually works. Like you're going to need a working model. And if anybody's ever watched Shark Tank, the first thing they ask is, what are your sales, right? Uh, so you need, you need some good legal representation to make sure that you got all your ducks in a row and you're protected. That's all I'm saying. Not Nothing against angel investors or venture capitalists at all. But if you have good legal, because I promise you they will have good legal representation. And if you have good legal representation, then your lawyers can work out that kind of stuff and, and it'll all be, all be good. Um, I, I guess, you know, there, there are back on the other people's money. I mean, there's high interest lenders out there. Uh, there used to be anyway, you called it mezzanine money where you could go at a very high interest rate and borrow, uh, large sums of money, but it's not like the best path. I don't think so there you go. Best way to fund it. I, I, there's, there's, I don't know the best way. I guess to me, the best way is if it's your own money. After that, it's a contest. <laughs> you know, do you want to go to, you want to go to the bank and try to convince them and they will need to be convinced because they're, they're essentially going to become your partner if you go to a bank. And it may end up that your friends, family, and fool, you may end up with a fool for a partner if you go that direction because they might, you know, rather than pay them back, it, it might sound good to give them equity. Just be careful, right? right. If you give me $100,000, I'll give you 20%. Well, that's fine today because it isn't really 20% of anything. But boy, have I seen blowups when it did become something. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a 20% owner in there. Proceed with caution. Yellow light, Will Robinson. <laughs> Well, here's another good one. Who is your role model? My role model? Yeah. I suppose you're talking about professional. Well, for coaching, it'd be Marshall Goldsmith, uh, another Kentucky native um, who now lives in L.A. or somewhere. Um, and as far as being a CEO advisor, I'd say Mark Fagan. Um, he's been somebody that I've looked at and modeled over the years. He's a he, he probably has the top 15 or 20 CEOs in America that he advises. Okay. Well, how about your mentor? Um, my mentor, I have not had a direct mentor in quite some time. My original mentor was uh, probably my grandfather that I worked for, which I was just thinking the other day, and this is a scary thought. I am now the age my grandfather was when I worked for him. 
Oh, wow. So when he was in business and I worked for him, I was started when I was around 10 or 11 and worked uh, for him through high school. And so I learned a ton about customers from him a lot. I mean, he was, he was very savvy and, and, he was pretty savvy in finance and pretty savvy in customers. And then my first professional mentor was uh, Charlie Mifflin, which I have in the Big Idea book and talk about that. But uh, after Charlie, you know, I don't know. Um, I had a lot of people that I have drawn wisdom from, kind of mentors from afar. They mentored me, but they didn't know it. You know, I just followed different people like Marshall Goldsmith and people like that that I just I learned from. Sure. Well, the next question is, in your opinion, what is the best way to incentivize employees in a business? Well, I'm glad you want my opinion because that's all you're going to get here on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Be that as it may. Best way to incentivize employees. Well, let me give you a principle rather than a tactical way. Whatever you do, you need to tie it into business operations and revenue. So if you're going to incentivize them to make more in a bonus or in a raise, you need to figure out how their job affects your business growth and get them plugged into helping you grow the business. And they need to be incentivized based on their contribution to help you grow it. Now, uh, some people have a difficult time with operations people uh, they don't have any trouble with salespeople. You know, that's that's fairly easy. I mean, they have to go out and service current customers and get new customers. Um, operations people, though, people struggle, and I've never understood why. Because if they do above and beyond their job, they're going to help the whole business. Just because it doesn't have numerical metrics directly attached to it doesn't mean that your business doesn't grow or stagnate based on the performance of people in the operations part because it absolutely does because there is a production cycle in your business where you make the product or service there is a a delivery cycle where you get the product or service to customers and if those two cycles do not run in a highly efficient and effective way it's going to affect your business So when people work together as a team in those two cycles, there's a billing cycle. So invoices have to go out. It usually follows the production and delivery cycle. Then you have the billing cycle. From the time you generate an invoice to the time the check comes in and gets applied to the books, there's a cycle. Employees can help you speed those up. Employees can help you eliminate mistakes in those. And so they should be rewarded for that. If the cycle slows down and the service or the product is not produced or delivered or billed and invoiced properly, then they get penalized. But if it is good and even better than good, it's elite or world-class, they should get incentivized that way. So you got to tie it to the ways that they can affect. You can't tie it to things that they have no control over because that's just frustrating. Well, if we hit our sales goal this year, well, you got 75% of the company that can't go out there and sell. And they're like, oh my gosh, our whole incentive plan depends on these 25 people, right? 
we have no control over that. It's just a bad way to do it. I mean, you got to figure out how their particular role and job and output in the company affects the growth of the company and tie it to that. That's my opinion. Well, it sounds good. Our final question is, I am a CEO of a mid-market growth company, and I know this is going to be a little vague. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But which do you think makes a company like ours grow faster? Selling new products and services to current customers or acquiring new customers? Good question, but it is vague, and so I'm going to be limited on my answer because I don't know what a company like yours is. They said what makes a company like ours, right? I don't know what that is, but I'll give it a shot. And I will say both. You have to have uh, new customers and you also have to sell more products and services to your current customers. I'll tell you right now which is easiest. It's easiest to go to people that are already happy with you and have already experienced you and have already been uh, serviced at a high level and at a good level and convince them to do more with you than it is to get somebody who's never done business with you before. That's the easiest way. Now, the best way, I don't know. I'd have to look at your revenue numbers. I'd have to look at your customer count. I'd have to look at uh, your salespeople and what you know, they are capable of. I'd have to look at your sales cycle. Is it a long sales cycle or is it a short sales cycle? And I'd have to talk to you about whether or not your people fit well in either one of those. Some salespeople are good in short sales cycle. Some salespeople are good in long-term sales cycle. Sometimes you have a long-term sales cycle and you've got short-term sales cycle salespeople. So, Uh, there's just a lot of factors to look at, but I would, I don't know any company that I've ever seen where they don't try to have both strategies. We're going to upsell our current customers with this brand new thing we've got, or maybe they're just never have done it. They've never tried it. We have this other extra thing that this particular Mr. or Miss customer has never used from us. What's our best strategy to, to get them to see the value in doing that? And we also have to go out and get customers that have never done business with it before. So I think if you want to grow, you got to have both. But as I was saying, there's a lot into the analysis of which one you need to do more of. Do you need to do more upselling or do you need to get more new customers? I don't know. I'd, it, it, it would depend on the company, the situation, and what's going on there. Well, sounds good. Well, that's all we have. That's all the questions? Yeah. Oh, wow. So those are pretty good questions this week. Absolutely. So thank you very much for sending your questions in. If you'd like for me to answer a business or leadership question for you, you can send it to info at clearvisiondevelopment.com. I'll have your business and leadership lesson on our next segment here on Better Than Before. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers choice of second row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running. The Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. 
Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. I appreciate you tuning in this week and downloading our podcast. We drop a new episode every single Tuesday. And in this part of the show, I typically give you a little lesson on leadership or business. And we kicked off the show today talking about growth and growth being stalled and uh, growth plateaus that you hit in your organization. And so I want to give you in this segment three reasons why you might be stuck. What does feeling stuck even feel like? Well, some people describe it as feeling as if you're being suffocated, like something's closing in on you or the heavy weight being pushed down on you. Other people say it's like you've got a lot of power, but you're spinning your wheels. Still, other people say it's lacking fulfillment or the feeling you feel when you're just wandering around without a map or any clear direction. We're all leading in this fast-paced, busier-than-life lives these days because we have access to so much more stuff. I'm one of the people you've heard about that only had three channels on their TVs. We only had three TV channels to watch, and one of them was acquired through the twisting of an antenna pole that was outside in the yard until somebody said, that's good, from inside the house. Previously, they probably said back or the other way or twist it some more a few times. These days, we have media on the go in which clarity is not as important as speed. Doesn't seem as if speed is a major success factor in almost everything we go to do these days. If you're a leader or a person who is possibly feeling as if your dreams or plans are stuck and not on the go, and you're experiencing the aforementioned sensations that I talked about, well, let's face it, you're probably stuck. Here's three reasons why that may be. Number one, are you focusing on bigger instead of better? Now, this runs rampant in business. It seems as if the goal always has to do with size. We always have to measure everything. Everything that is except the core competencies we need in order to have to do what we have to do. It's never a bad idea to learn more. It's sometimes not a bad idea to expand. But it's always a great idea to become more skillful at what we're already good at. Jim Collins said, good is the enemy of great. When we feel we are good enough, we stop getting better. Truett Cathy of Chick-fil-A said, when we get better, the customer will force us to get bigger. Boy, isn't that the truth? Reason number two, you might be stuck. You've got too many ideas and too little execution action. We all fall into this trap. Everybody loves planning. Everybody loves strategy way more than execution. We're all good at making our grocery list, but we're not good at taking what we had on our list home with us. We either miss something in the store 
or we picked up additional items that were not on our list. Good ideas don't work unless you work the good ideas. When someone comes to you and says, I've got a good idea for you, what they're really saying is, boy, do I have some work for you. Sometimes we're stuck because we think we have a lot of great ideas, but we don't have any good action on any of them at all. Cut down your ideas and increase your execution. Reason number three, you might be stuck. You're distracted. As I said, there are plenty of things out there to get your attention. What has your attention besides the important things you need to deal with? Well, I understand there's a lot of various things that can distract us. The thing to remember is whatever gets your attention gets all of you. The attention we provide to something then converts to dialogue in our minds and begins to compete with what we really should be focusing on. Knowing we need to focus is not the hard part. Staying focused is the difficult element. Guess what? You can do it. Shift your focus to what is really important to you and your life or organization right now. Who needs you on your A-game today? What's the most important thing you need to do today? Focus, then do it. It's that simple. That's our show today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Be sure and give us a five-star rating. It helps us move up the podcast charts so other people will become interested and better than before and can also share in the value you get from our podcast each week. So recommend us to a friend, would you? It's a nice gift you can give, and we would be really grateful for you uh, doing that for us. You can follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4, and you can follow our company at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of associate producer Whitney Coker and chief producer Bill Foster, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.